and welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, September 14th. We are here live. It's a free-for-all for this first hour. Anything goes. It is only an hour, so jump in quick. Phone lines are open, 855-950-3835. After that, Mike and Kevin Beckett will be here for Rolling Toe. And after that, we'll head on over to Spaces and continue our free-for-all on X today. So jump in and join us. I have a ton of topics I could touch on here. So uh, I'm just going to jump in and get started. Join me anytime. Um, First off, uh, I got an email from just a, uh, uh, like a newsletter email from Joel Salatin yesterday. Uh, Wonder if anybody else saw this. So uh, let me get to this. Oh, that's not the one I was looking for. There we go. Um, I want to read this, see if it sounds familiar. Anything that uh, I may have been talking about recently. Uh, Joel's got a new book. I didn't even know he was writing one. Uh, We had him on the show. I guess it's been a while now. Uh, Maybe it was about a year ago. We need to get him back to talk about this book. Uh, But I want to read you some of the foreword from the book. Quote, America is undergoing a profound homestead tsunami. Families are pouring out of cities seeking small acreage in the country. Podcasts speaking into the space have hundreds of thousands of followers. Homestead conferences now fill my speaking schedule, and they're all over the country. You can find a homestead conference to attend virtually every month of the year. In the last couple of years, a steady stream of visitors, many in rented motorhomes, have stopped at our farms to walk our fields and dream. Their most common reason? We're escaping and heading for the country. We don't know where we'll land, but we're getting out. A shaky economy, crime-ridden cities, fragile supply chains, empty supermarket shelves, increasingly invasive government regulations, dysfunctional mental health, kids addicted to social media, all these things make thinking people want to disentangle from the system. Stalwart American institutions, both public and private, are no longer trustworthy. Corruption, cronyism, and crisis screams from media headlines or gets censored. Wanting out when you feel chased and strangled is a strong incentive. An even stronger incentive is wanting something better. Wanting out and wanting in are two sides of the same coin. You can't flee without something to embrace. Obviously, if you want out, the question is, where will you go? What are you going to do? You can't leave without going somewhere. You can't escape without a safe haven. Um, Just a couple more statistics from it. In 2020... Now, remember what was going on in 2020. Lockdowns, couldn't get to the grocery store. Shelves were empty. Uh, Chickens were dying all over the country. Egg prices went through the roof. Uh, One million new backyard flocks of laying chickens showed up in 2020 uh, with an average of six birds per flock. That's six million chickens. If they laid only 50%, that's 3 million eggs per day or 250,000 dozen. Um, In a country of 100 million households, that's enough eggs to supply a dozen a week to a quarter of the nation's households. That's a pretty big deal. 25% 
of all the households in the country could have been served by these backyard flocks. That's kind of wild. They, he goes on in 2020, seed companies sold out, canning lid inventories vanished. There's just been a lot of talk about this homesteading kind of thing. Uh, I thought it was very interesting timing. Like I said, I didn't know he was even writing the book. And we just did exactly that. We just bought six acres out in the country with chickens. Um, so it looks like we'll, uh, we'll try to get Joel to come on the show and talk about the book. It's not out yet. You can pre-order right now. I pre-ordered it this morning. Um, I think you get a uh, the first thousand he's going to sign. So I might be getting a signed copy. If not, I'm going to bug him to sign mine anyway. Uh, so we'll see about getting um, Joel on. What else? I don't know if I had anything else on that. Well, I do, but I'm going to move on to some uh, trucking things since today is a trucking day. Um some numbers out from ATBS. Well, they haven't put them out yet. They're going to put them out on the 19th, uh, but they gave us a, a little bit of a preview. I posted this this morning on the Trucking Tribe, if you want to jump in. So they gave us some preliminary numbers. Um, we'll see all of the numbers on the 19th. They said the average ATBS client owner-operator grossed 88,000 for the first six months of uh, 2023 we're talking about. So these are really, really current numbers. So 88,000, if that holds up, we'd be at 100 and what is that, 96,000. Those aren't bad numbers at all. I, I can look back and there were many years that were worse. Now, here's the difference. Yeah, and this is where it's going to get troubling. The inflation of everything it takes to run that owner-operator business, it's going to take us a while to kind of really gather good numbers. I'm hoping to get some good numbers out of ATBS on how much those expenses have really gone up compared to prior years. I mean, we can see some things. We know fuel price. Um, we have some idea on maintenance, but I want to see overall um, because it's really possible that that, you know, roughly 200,000 gross isn't all that great when you start looking at expenses. Our benchmark forever has been you should be able to net half of what you gross minus equipment payments. So you have to take truck and trailer payments out because those will confuse things. I'm not saying they don't matter, but they have to come out to make comparisons. So when we do, if you take out truck and trailer payments, if you gross 200000 our benchmark would be that you net 100000 If you're doing that, you are doing a really good job of managing expenses. And about the only way you're going to get over that 50% is to increase revenue. We really, it's difficult to cut expenses any more than that. You see it occasionally depending on the operation, but if you can get to that point, you know you're doing a good job of cutting expenses. Then you, you, you know, part of the problem with focusing on revenue is there are times we have no control over it like now. So they were showing that on this 88,000, 
they were only netting 31 for net income. That's awful. Now, I have to say that I know the numbers at ATBS and they have a lot of lease purchase. They work with a lot of carriers uh, directly through the carrier that have lease purchase programs. They work with a lot of leased carriers because they work with a lot of carriers. They do have some uh, independence in the past. Their independence numbers are very, very close to all of their leased numbers, which I always thought was a little odd, but that's just the way the numbers tend to work out. Their, their leased up or their owner operators with authority, carriers, one truck, they really don't do much better than everybody that's leased or even the lease purchase guys when you average all this stuff out. But their overall numbers aren't that great. Um, 31,000 on 88 gross to me is just awful. Now, that does include equipment payments. That's where it gets a little difficult to, to really make the comparison, but that still seems really low to me. Um, they say uh, owner-operators starting started running more miles to offset low rates, um, as well as working on miles... I don't know what that was supposed to say. Um, revenue is down about 8%. Net revenue is down about 8% or net income. Um, that's a pretty big hit. For a lot of people, That that's enough to really, really cause problems. So it's no wonder we're seeing um, people dropping like flies, and it's not going to end anytime soon. So like I say, when I get the full numbers on that, we'll... We'll talk more about those. Um, then I saw another article along the same lines. This one was from uh, CDL Life. Uh, the headline was a breakdown of how the driver shortage narrative has pretty much ruined the trucking industry for now. So what they're claiming here is during the pandemic, there was all this talk of supply chains. We didn't have enough trucks. We didn't have enough drivers. We couldn't get the containers out of the port. They're claiming that because of that, we had this influx of people into the industry, new drivers coming in, um, drivers becoming owner-operators, owner-operators getting their own authority. That did all happen. Uh, to blame it on, you know, the driver shortage, uh, we've been screaming about a driver shortage for about two and a half decades so this wasn't all that new. Yes, it did make the mainstream media a little more. I believe that that the driving force was really the rates and the talk of the rates. That's what did it. And honestly, it doesn't matter what did it. To, to focus on the cause to me is almost meaningless because you can't change the cause. If the media comes out and screams that, you know, there's a driver shortage, then this will happen again. We can't control that. So you just have to know that there are times when the market gets flooded. This is supply and demand. It's a free market. It's competition. And you have to figure out how to run a business through boom and bust cycles. Now, here's a, there's a good story in here about not being able to do that. So let me get to this. Um, here's a quote. I also posted this one on Trucking Tribe. 
Quote, the shortage is just something the big companies make up, said Jacqueline Jolly, who entered the trucking industry with her husband in 2020 after their construction business slowed. So they were in business. They couldn't handle a slowdown in their industry, and they decided to jump into another industry. And then they blame the fact that People jumped into the industry in 2020 as the reason the industry got ruined. They did exactly what they're blaming this on. But the bigger picture here is they couldn't run one business through a downturn. They jumped into another one, but it gets worse. Here we go. Quote, Jolly says that she and her husband were getting paid as much as $5 a mile when they started trucking in 2020. Diesel prices were low and the pay was high, so they decided to take out another loan and purchase a second truck for $80,000 so they could hire another driver. Soon, though, diesel prices jumped and rates fell, cutting their earnings in more than half. The couple ended up having to give up their second truck, now worth only $30,000. Does this story sound familiar Did I open about a dozen shows at least with this exact topic? They are still, back to the quote, they're still reeling from the debt they racked up during the boom and bust cycle. These people do not belong in business. They failed in one industry, jumped into another, and must have done zero research about how the trucking industry works. And guess what? It works a lot like the construction industry. They both go through boom and bust cycles like this all of the time. And if you don't figure this out, and if you don't realize this is supply and demand, then you should just get your ignorant ass out of business because this will continue. Now they've got a bunch of debt, um, probably about 50,000 worth of a deficit on this truck that they will eat and then they will owe tax on that money. They lose the truck. They lose all the money they put into the truck and then they're going to owe tax on that $50,000 deficit, which will be roughly, that shows up as income. So let me do some quick math here. Uh, They'll end up with a $15,000 hit on top of other taxes that they owe, an additional 15000 in tax. They have no money to pay that. Now they're going to default on their tax bill and go on a payment plan. We're going to see a lot of this, and it is not the fault of the brokers. It's not the fault of the government, as incompetent as they are. It's not the fault of the shippers or the carriers or... It is the person in the mirror. That's it. You have to understand how business works. There are boom and bust cycles. And if every time this happens, you look around and try to blame it on everybody else, you'll never succeed. All right. We've got some phone calls. I'm going to get to them. I had some other topics, but uh, we've only got an hour and calls are starting to pile up. Let's go to Illinois. Scott, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Um, I try to keep it short, kind of get calls. Um, 
I've been following you and, and some of your advice on diet for the last well, eight months. I've dropped 50 pounds. Still fantastic. And I got a friend of mine. Yeah. And I thank you for all of your advice. Uh, I got a friend of mine that had a heart attack a couple years ago. And, um, of course, he's been doing the typical American diet, typical doctors on all kinds of medications. Right. And he's seen the results from me, and he's wanting to do something about it. Good. Good. So I give him your app. He's been listening to you. And next thing I know, he says, I'm all in. All right. Uh, congratulations. That That's almost a bigger yep. congratulations than your own health. That's important. I'm glad you did it. Mm. We have control over that part. The biggest struggle, we talk about yep. it all the time. When you see these results and you see how healthy you are, we all want to share this. We want to help other people. Yep. And it's the hardest thing we do. So when we get a success like this, right. I love that. Right. Thank you for that. Um, he's having, uh, he's been on it five days. Um, I think he told me this morning he's lost 15 pounds. Um, he's not a big, heavy guy, uh, fairly tall, and but he just, I don't, he just wasn't happy with his weight. He right. wasn't happy with the way he was feeling. A lot of uh, inflammation, and um, after, you know, just talked to him again this morning, he's absolutely thrilled by the way he feels. All right. Love that. And, uh, and what do his, we need now? His wife and daughter. Oh, no. Tell me about the, the family. Go ahead. Okay. His wife and daughter are a little concerned that this carnivore thing isn't that good for him. And they're pretty much stressing him out. So let, let's stop there a second. He might, listen to, let, let, he might be listening to me right now. I hope so. I'm what, doing this to help him. Yeah, I hope so. Let, you know, here, here's the thing. This is how, how screwed up our medical system is. We've all been so brainwashed that, look, I had a similar result to keto when I first heard about it. And I was never afraid of fat. I never really bought into the whole low-fat thing. But I also was a little taken aback by, I'm really going to eat 70 to 80% of my calories from fat? That sounded a little extreme to me. So I had some concerns, but we tried it, and we all know what the results were. But even after all those fantastic results from keto, the first time I heard about carnivore, what, what do you mean you're only going to eat meat and eggs? That sounds insane to me. But I kept an open mind, and I, I waited to see the results, and we tried it, and the results are incredible. I mean, I am almost, I think I'm kind of there now that this is my single recommendation for anybody now. Work towards the most carnivore you can possibly eat. I mean, that really is my advice now. Doesn't mean that you got to drop everything and go 100% carnivore, but I would really work towards getting as close to that goal as you can. And we see the best results from it. There's just no way to argue this anymore. But here's what I want to go back to with the family. When we see results right in front of us, they're, they're seeing him change his health improve in a very short period of time. They're probably hearing him talk about you and your results. And yet we still have this mindset that that just can't be healthy. But it is. 
It really is. So right. hopefully he'll stick with it. Hopefully exactly they'll keep an open point. mind. They're worried about him. They, they, yeah, they're worried he's might going to have another heart attack from the way well, he's just eating all this bacon and meat. Well, and well, nothing, you stop know? a second. The, again, we're so brainwashed, we can't even keep an open mind about this. He had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. He wasn't eating this way. He had a heart attack. So we've already had almost the worst happen. He's look at the statistics. Anybody who has one heart attack and then stays in the medical system will end up on statins, blood thinners. They'll end up with stents and they'll probably have another heart attack. That is very, very common. So let's say he eats carnivore and he has a second heart attack. That's probably what was going to happen anyway. But I can tell you it won't happen. The odds of it happening if he really switches the way he eats goes almost to zero. Things will start to improve very quickly. Yep, I I agree 100%. And he agrees with you. He's just... uh, Oh, I know. His his family's concerned, so... They've talked him in going to the doctor, and he said, well, I'll, go, I'll agree to go to the doctor, but he not, I'm going to go to the doctor I want to go to and not, not a medical so, doctor. He wants a functional doctor. Good. But let me so take a step back. I, you know, I've talked him in the functional doctor. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll come back to that. When, when the family says, we want you to see a doctor, he had a heart attack. He probably already has six doctors. Yeah. What doctor do they want him to go yeah, talk to? Him. He's already under the yep. care of a bunch of doctors. I'm sure of it after he's had a heart attack. I'm sure he's already on multiple uh-huh. medications. So I, I don't even understand when they say, we want you to go see a doctor. You've already seen what the medical system has to offer. He's in it. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is as good as it gets. Yep. Drugs and surgeries are in his yep. future if he sticks with these doctors. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I. And he wants to get away from that. Good. He he's seen results from me, and he's ready. How so can we help? I told him, you know, he. Well, he, uh, we're trying to find him a functional doctor as Done. close as we can. Done. And I know you. On. I know you've talked about it in, in the past. I I only have one recommendation for this guy, and honestly. My, you know, so when people used to call and we want them to go to functional medicine doctors, you know, we used to send them to IFM.org. Go look it up. You'll find several. You got to do some homework. Not everybody's great just because they're functional or holistic. It's like any other industry. You're going to find bad functional doctors and bad functional nutritionists. It's just, that's just the way it is. So a lot of times we would send people there, they'd look it up, they'd call a couple people, they'd call me back and say that they're not, they don't sound that great. There's, you know, they're not really up on the diet. And so we really, my first recommendation now is Dr. Wolfson. He works completely virtual. Dr. Wolfson, yeah. Yeah, you don't Mm -hmm. have to be near your doctor. In fact, I don't even recommend it anymore. It's 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 not that easy finding really good functional medicine doctors and some parts of the country. It's damn near impossible. And, you know, you start thinking about truck drivers and we tend not to live near big cities. Right. Don't most truck drivers kind of live in more rural, small town out in the country that that, so it's even harder for truck drivers just because of where we tend to live. Right. 
So why not just start with Dr. Wolfson? Especially here because he had a heart attack anyway. Now you you not only mm-hmm. need a good functional medicine doctor, you need a cardiologist. He does. So good luck. Mm-hmm. Now you've really narrowed down your choices. Good luck finding a good functional cardiologist. I mean, I know of a couple, right? But many of the 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 people I know don't practice anymore. You know, they're writing books and, and training yeah, and, that's and, what I, and doing other yeah. things. Mm-hmm. I told him that was the problem of finding the right one. The hard part is finding the right one. Well, we, and, we uh, solved that problem. And I told him about Dr. Yeah, Wilson. we have the right yeah. one. Yeah, yep, yeah. Okay, well, I, I thought I'd just help him out by maybe giving him a list and he can check him out. And um, Here's here's something you know, I can I, tell you. There there is There is nothing... Dr. Wolfson really needs to lay his hands on a person right now. 90% of what he could do to help somebody does not require him to physically see that person. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason not to do this virtually. You, you know you're getting... Right. I, I'm going to claim he's the best in the country, without a doubt. I'm, I'm pretty well plugged into the whole functional medicine community right. and, you know the people that you know are, are out there doing this kind of stuff I, i'm familiar with a lot of them we've had most of them on our show uh he's really for this guy's the best choice in the country why look right right oh i agree from from him being on your show and and listening to him and listen you talk about him and and i know he's got the book and and um isn't he the one that done the, the made the cardio miracle also? No, no, he did not. I know it can get a little confusing there, but um, when I was approached by the company that made Cardio Miracle, um, I immediately consulted with Doctor Wolfson on does this make sense, and he said absolutely. It, most of the nutrients in there are the same nutrients he uses in his own formulations. He has a product that's similar. Oh, okay. Uh, we just found Cardio Miracle first, and uh, so it, it was a pretty unique product. Like I said, we were working on our own at the time, and we decided to drop ours and, and just carry theirs because I liked it so much. But I did run it by Dr. Wolfson to make sure, you know, this really made sense, and he, he says that it does. Yeah, well, I've, I've been I've been using it. I've been ordered it from you like, seven or eight months ago. I've been Good. pretty hard on it, and I think I got him talking to maybe trying it too. Good. And uh, so I imagine he'll be making an order for too long. I think it'd be good for him. Absolutely. Um, but, but that's why I called just to you know share some information with you, and and uh, I, I didn't. I just assumed that. You had a list of, not a list, but a website that he could go on and at least look we, for a functional doctor. And We do. I agree with your uh, recommendation for Dr. Wilson. And it may be an issue with them of how much it costs to have a patient with him, too. So, so and, and there are two options. I don't know. You know, you can consult directly with Dr. Wilson. That's going to cost a little more. Or you can consult with the other doctors in his office that are all trained under him and do all the same things and consult with him on mm-hmm. cases anyway. So take the lower price option. Right. Okay. 
I'll um, I'll go over it with him. And like I say, he may even be listening right now. I, I'm not sure. I um, hope so. I know he likes to listen to you. Well, good, good. Um, so, but anyway, I won't I won't take up no more of your time, and uh, I, I appreciate everything that you do for every not just truckers, but everybody listening. Well, well, thank you, and thank you for spreading it. We love when uh, when we can recruit somebody new into the cult. Let's go to Alberta. Ben, welcome to the program. Morning, Kevin. How are you? Good. What's on your mind today? That's good. Hey, um, on liner protrusion and counter bores, can you explain a little bit? I'm starting to understand it, but so I'm not quite. Are you, are you familiar with a diesel engine down to the point of replacing pistons and rings and doing an in-frame? Are you kind of familiar with the engine itself? Yes, I've seen engines opened up, but I've never really worked so, on them. But so what I, we're talking about here is, is imagine the block mm-hmm. itself, and in the block are six holes for the cylinders, and we have to put liners into those holes. And the liner is the cylinder now that the piston and rings runs in. And we replace the liner because that's where the crosshatch is. That's what wears out the crosshatch. So now the rings don't seat as well against the wall and you get oil consumption because now oil can get past the ring. What's that? At the top? Or all the way? Where is the crosshatch exactly? It's, it, it's in the cylinder liners. And I don't want to get stuck on too many of those details because oh, I'm okay. just trying to get you familiar with why we're putting these cylinder kits in. Now, the cylinder kit... When you slide this liner down into the block, when we talk about protrusion, it is how much that liner sticks up over the deck of the block. Does that make sense? Oh, we, it, it, yes. That liner should not be flush with the deck. There should be some protrusion. And each manufacturer sets the limit. And we're talking about thousands of an inch now. We're not talking about anything major. You can't eyeball this. This has to be measured, you know, with micrometers and and we're down to thousands of an inch. It's usually not a problem on most engines. You know, you go by the factory specs and everything works pretty well. But for some reason, forever... The specs that CAT always puts out for their liner protrusion does not work well. And you end up with blown head gaskets. And it's been a problem forever. And I can't believe they haven't changed it. And Pittsburgh Power has known for decades. No, you can't go by those specs. Right. So the head gasket sits right on top there after that liner. That, that's and why the, head- the protrusion is so important. It is designed to make the head gasket seal properly. Yes. Okay. I understand that now. So I had another question. You got calls? You got time? We've got calls, but we've got time. Go ahead. Okay. So uh, like GBW, gross vehicle width, uh, you, you talk about it sometimes, but you take Joel and Henry and them guys, What's their average gross vehicle weight with that kind of miles per gallon? Um, 
like if they fill it out, I could probably go into fuel gauges and see. Both of those guys are pretty good. If I had to guess, um, I would say both of them are. Henry might even be a little heavier, but we're not talking light stuff. They're they're going to be in that sixty-five to seventy thousand average. I'll bet. Oh, okay, that's yeah. That's yeah, they, pounds. Yeah, pounds. They're not they're not running around at like you know forty-five or fifty thousand pounds all the time. Um, Joel has some furniture loads that are fairly light, um, and that's a lot of his outbound freight. But those furniture loads might be light, but they're 25 stops. So what he gains in having a right. light load, he loses in all the stop and go. So it, it, these are real numbers. Both of those two are out there pulling the same kind of freight anybody else could be pulling. It's not just light. They don't just cherry pick light loads. They do cherry pick loads like they should based on their routes and where they want to go and how they're getting back. And, um, but I, I would guess I could go in and look, or, you know, we can ask them cause I know they track it, but I would guess they're going to be in that 65 to 70,000 average range, which means they're pulling some 80,000 pound stuff. They're pulling some 40,000 pound stuff occasionally. And they're right there in the middle somewhere. All right. You take our operation, it, it consists around 150 to about, well, 70 to 150, a lot of times 150. And I'm wondering what would be to expect um, out of a Volvo like a, say, 150. There, there is actually a, there's actually a calculation, and I'm going to have to go back and find it because I haven't used it in a long time. Um, when I was building the fuel mileage calculator we were going to use to compare loads, and we may be bringing that project back, by the way. Uh, when I was building that calculator, I wanted to get every factor that could affect uh, fuel mileage that we knew the numbers. And there is a number out there for every 10,000 pounds the load, the gross vehicle weight goes up, you lose X in fuel economy, but I don't remember what that number is. I've got to go back and look it up. And then we could just take that number and apply it to Joel. We could say, okay, if you do everything Joel does, because this is right now the, the maximum fuel mileage we know how to get, if you're doing everything Joel does, but you're pulling 150,000 pounds, what is the projected fuel mileage? It's not going to be perfect because we can't do everything Joel does exactly. We're probably going to change those specs up a little bit. Um, if you were at 120, we could probably go with Joel's specs. But 150, I think we're going to have to adjust them a little bit. But we could come to a pretty good conclusion, and I'll bet we'd be pretty close. All right. Yeah, we just, uh, we actually just added a truck to our fleet uh but bad news uh, our brothers my brothers deleted the truck so oh. i couldn't help that oh it's there oh it's, that's sad it, yeah and now the truck is running around and i don't know if it's good for the engine but it's running around at 175 like cold the engine it hardly goes up to to higher temperatures say 200 uh, it, it it's not necessarily good or not it's not necessarily bad for the engine. It would be bad for emissions, but there are no emissions left. So we don't really have to worry about that, I guess. Um, I, it's not yeah. really going to hurt anything on the engine to run at that temperature. It's just not as efficient. Okay, right. Yeah, it's a 
379. Uh, well, it's not efficient anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering. Uh, but we'll talk about that another day. I'll let you get to some other calls since yeah. you only have an hour. You know, drop me a note, an email somewhere, and I'll go grab Joel's information, and I'll get his average weight, and I'll go find that calculation for weight, and we'll put some numbers together, and we'll talk about it on uh, tomorrow. You get it over to me. I, just something that I remember. So I, I, should, I make notes all day long, so and I, I don't send always. send you an email? Just send an email to support okay. at Let's Truck so I remember to do it. That's the only reason I need an email. Okay. I appreciate you, Kevin. All right. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, let's go to Texas. Fred, welcome to the program. Hey, Kev. Hey, Kevin. Good morning. What's on your mind today? So I heard, uh, heard a few uh, troubling statistics that people may not understand because everyone spouts the numbers, but they don't dig into the details. Okay. Um, I remember I said that the uh, there was over a trillion dollars of debt to be refinanced this year and, le- and next year for business. Yes. A lot of them have been refi- a lot of them have been refinancing, but short term, two three year terms, because they think there's going to be a switch in the Fed and they're going to lower interest rates, so they're banking on that. So that's just a temporary fix. Um, that's one thing to be concerned about. Another thing to be concerned about is the job market. Now, although they've been starting a hot job market, these are these are mostly temporary positions or, or part-time positions, rather. Let me, let me refrain. Part-time positions that people are taking second jobs and everything. Actual full-time employment has been dropping. Right. So that's going to come out in the numbers here soon. And that may be the Fed's target on the employment because they're trying to break the economy and break the interest. Another right. thing is these, these, another thing, these, um, these earnings that people, if people follow the markets and the earnings every quarter, the businesses come out with earnings, their earnings are beating expectations because everything is inflated. So their right. revenues are higher with, with less good. Yes. But their forecast, if you look at their forecast, they're all predicting a downturn in their forecast. So this this plays directly to our market, trucking, because when when less goods are being shipped, less trucks are needed. So it's going to be a double-edged sword. It's going to be where guys who you were talking about are prepared for a downturn, can survive this until... We, we the freight market picks back up, and other people are going to fail. You know, one of the I, in my estimation, go ahead, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. along these lines, one of the things I keep seeing there's I think there's still a belief out there that we've reached the bottom a while back, and we have a little bit more to go, and then we'll be out of the recession, and things will start getting better. There seems to be a lot of talk like that. And I, I keep looking at everything yeah. I'm seeing and saying, we, the recession hasn't even started yet. I don't think we're anywhere well, near know, the mean, bottom in our economy. And if we're not near the know, bottom in the economy, I, then we're not near the bottom in trucking either. Right, right. I, I you know, think I, I follow a couple of a th- things couple could of, get okay, significantly okay. worse. You know, I, I have mixed feelings on this because I do follow a, a, a wide array of, of investors and, and market watchers and such like that. 
So uh, I, I do tend to to agree with what you just said. I think we're we're in for a, a worse, a, a bot, you know, bottoming out. We've seen a little bit of a, a pullback here. Rates have come back a little bit, but I think we're still in a still in a down a down cycle. But you know, there are a couple of optimistic forecasters and investors I follow that say that you know. Uh, Earnings are still there, uh, you know, and they're they're a glass half full guys, and they're thinking that even though you know these 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 recent yesterday and today the CPI and PPI reports weren't optimum, they weren't as bad as they could have been. So they're still on they're still in the the camp, and they've been winning because the market has been resilient. Um, but uh, you know, I I still feel that like you're right now. If we if we really look back a year and a half ago or so or a year, maybe a year ago, we had that technical recession with the two downturns in the economy, the two quarters. Right. But I still I still see a lot of neg- negativity on the horizon, and I hate to be a Debbie Downer because, I mean, hell, well, I'd I, love to get back to 3 and $4 a mile. Yeah, I don't want to be negative. I always try to find the positive in things, but I also have to be realistic. And, and I'm just seeing too many things that could still go really, really wrong in our economy. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. I, for someone who's been in the business a long time, a, a mutual commentator on the spaces that were was on for a while, still doesn't get that there is a driver shortage. It just may not be in certain areas. So, uh, yeah, uh, you I've, know, like I, I've seen that narrative of oh, there can't be a shortage. Oh, it's not supply and demand. There's freight every day not being picked up. Well, right. Of, of course there right. is. And that's, that's there, there's millions and millions yeah. of shipments every day. Of course they're not all getting picked up. But that doesn't mean all right. the other statistics are just wrong. I mean, it, it is so painfully obvious. If you look at the statistics, we have too much capacity. That's it. That That's the end of the story. That's all we need to look at. Right. You know, I, you know, anecdotally, I got called yesterday for a hot load that I, I, I needed to wash the trailer out, and I couldn't do it. And even, it no matter what I rated it, what I rated it at, it, I just couldn't do it. So there was a load that didn't get picked up, technically, you know, unless they found someone last minute, but they called me at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, so I, was just, I was just looking at a post from, from Jamie Hagan. He, he needs trucks and drivers. Right. He, he's turning down freight. I I get it. That happens. But that doesn't mean that that's what's happening across the board. That's why we take both anecdotal and I always forget the other word. Anecdotal. There's another word for all the big numbers. And I for some reason, uh, I always draw a blank on that number or that name. I don't know why Uh, you have to look at both. You have to look at the big picture. Yeah. The, the the big number statistics yeah. that we can gather. And then, of course, I listen to people anecdotally. I listen every day. I listen on the show. I ask people. I check our data in profit gauges. I check data with ATBS like I did this morning. I, you know, listen to people on Twitter and social media. You have to look at all of this to get an idea of what's going on. Correct. You know, Correct. here's something you know, else they funny. latched I- on to. There was a they, they found some story of some guy talking about autonomous trucks and saying we have to have autonomous trucks because we don't have enough drivers to move all of our freight. 
So now they're trying to make that claim that it's really not supply and demand. I, I don't even know how that's logical. Oh, boy. It, 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 it makes uh, our it, point that it's supply yeah. and demand, but they're, they're looking towards the future with this. They're not saying we need, yeah. you know, 100,000 autonomous trucks today. But yes, we've all talked about this idea that we don't have enough people anymore. Correct. Correct. You know, and that's the whole thing. I mean, I, people don't, don't really, we have to go back to when the government shut down everything and gave people money to stay home. And a lot of guys, upper, 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 upper age guys who were making forty. $50,000 a year in this business. And that was the median average. I'm not saying people weren't doing better, but that was the median truck driving average in, you know, 18, 19. Yeah. And it started getting getting hotter. It started getting hotter through the pandemic, where we were seeing sixty five dollars and $70,000 and now $100,000 drivers because we just couldn't get people to come back to work. But people took payouts and they got all kinds of state. I remember uh, a mutual friend was in New Jersey, him and his wife were staying home and they were making $6,000 a month off the government between mortgage payments and everything else that Jersey was giving them, the federal government was giving them because they were in business and he was working on side jobs for cash painting houses. And that's what it was like. You know, and people forget that. Uh, People seem to forget a lot of stuff. Um, and and the other thing, and I, have said it over and over and over, we're all in a place where we don't know exactly what to expect because we've never been in a place like this in our economy before. I mean, think about it. Just that article I read this morning from Joel Salatin. That's radical. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. But you know, with people, you know why? being able to work remotely, that's... that's that That's one part of this, right. That, that's one part of this. But here's the other thing. One million new backyard flocks, people seeking acreage out in the country. Why do I not see any of these stories in the media? This should be a big well, story. because they're pushing a narrative. Right, right. That's the point. They're, they're, they're controlling the media. This should be a big story. You should see this on Good Morning America and all the news shows, and this should be a big thing. Right. And it's not. I, I really you know think is, they Kevin, actively cities, try to hide it. Cities, well, yeah, because cities are failing. Yeah, they are. All, all the high net worth individuals are leaving. And, you know, even though they, they may not agree with the Ron DeSantis uh, on a personal level, they see the results in Florida right. and they go there. You know, uh, and that's what it is. They, they they sell their house in California for a million, million two, and they buy a house in Florida for a half million dollars. They're up. And, you know, this basically what I did when I left New York to come to Texas. I bought right. my house with cash from the profit I made from, <laughs> exactly. from the house in New York. And, and you unfortunately, I mean, just, yeah. you, you just have to realize that's driving prices up on these rural properties. The people that are bidding on these things came 100%. from cities where they sold their other property for a lot of money and a lot of profit. If somebody yeah. bought a house in the last two yeah. decades, they are seeing incredible uh, profit on that house. Hey, Fred, um, let's continue that on spaces. I know you'll come in and join me. I got a couple calls I got to get to. Let's, uh, let's go to Texas. 
Paul, welcome. Howdy. Anybody in the Dallas region, stay away from I-35 South and I-45 South. It's a cluster. Um, <laughs> the driver shortage. Yeah. The, yeah, well, it's raining down here. I don't know what's happening, but it, oh, there goes the cops. So oh, boy. Good. So the driver shortage, if you, if you ask me, that's a good thing if you're in the industry already because <laughs> lack of drivers <clears throat> yes, is thank what you. we want. Thank you. That's the way I see I, it. Yeah. Uh, over the years, yeah. when when I keep seeing these arguments, there's a driver shortage. There's no driver shortage. It's just turnover. There's no shortage. Just pay them better. Well, well wait a minute. If you said, yeah. if you gave us the solution, there's no shortage. Just pay them better. Well, then you just admitted there's a shortage, and you gave us the solution. It, my take on this is, yeah. from our point of view, uh, our part of the industry. Who the hell cares? Why are we concerned at all about whether there is a shortage or not? But if there is, that would just be a good thing for us. I don't know why. I get why the fleets argue about it and why the ATA is involved. And I I get all that. I just don't understand why people in our position pay any attention to this. Who cares? Yeah. So, yeah. So I was was going over some numbers last night and, uh, Last year was a pretty good year for me, and I'm uh, I'm less than five thousand dollars behind last year on the gross at nice. the end of August. Nice, but my fuel is about ten thousand dollars less. But wow, the fuel prices have started going up. Right. So right. Um, I didn't I didn't go right down to every number, but I'm pretty. This year's been pretty good to me so far. So, but uh, so how many? I've already broke the I've I've already broke the two hundred thousand dollar mark easy. Nice. I I should I should know this, but when did you become an owner operator? Two thousand and four, right so, right after J- July the eleventh was the first load I pulled. I think got it, and that was nineteen years ago. So, so you've yeah. got a you've got a good history to go back and, and it, look. And my guess is this year is even though well, I, it's still going to be one of your best years. I'll bet. Yeah, it's going to be pretty good. Yeah, so yeah, twenty. 2020 was still pretty was pretty good. 2021 hey, now, was one of my um, year, worst years. What's going to happen if we have an extended auto worker strike for you? Find out later today what's going to happen. But most of the stuff I do is either built in the south by non UAW plants or it's import. Actually, the most of the stuff I do at the moment is import, so, so that should keep going. Yeah. So, um, but the, if the guys if the guys up north run out of work and they all come down south, <laughs> that's, that's that what will, I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. Is is we always have to remember it might not be our segment directly that's being hit, but any segment in trucking that gets hit will have an impact because everybody goes elsewhere to look for work. Yeah. Well, if they if they quit building cars, all that just in time auto parts stuff. Yeah, well, that's oh, true too, be right? Here on there every year. Right. See. Yeah. So all those all when, those van trailers, they'll be looking for something else to do. It, so. When I was talking to Fred, and I said there are still some really bad things that could happen in our economy. It's stuff like this. Yeah. So and then uh, I think I fixed my my water leak that I had the other day. Oh, good. That I. I took a, I took the hose clamp off yesterday. I had a look. Actually, I put a little catch can underneath that hose clamp. Yeah, it was joined in the frame rail, and I went out yesterday morning. And because I measure catalyst all the time, it's like, well, oh, that's about five ounces right there of cooler. Right. So, 
I, de- I decided I'll just buy some hose clamps and I'll replace the hose clamp. So I replaced the hose clamp, but you know if you get a hose clamp that's too big and you keep tightening it up, it actually becomes out of round. Right. Well, this is not a hose clamp that Pittsburgh Power put on, and I think the, clo- the clamp was too big, ah. and that's why it was leaking. So I got a slightly smaller clamp and put it on. I run it up to temperature so it was had pressure in the coolant system. And then I put my catch can back underneath it last night because I was at home. And I went out this morning and there was not a speck of coolant in there. So Excellent. I'm hoping I fixed it. Sounds Hopefully. like you did. All right. I'm going to grab one final call so I can uh, get out of here on time and make room for rolling toe. Jim, you get the final word today. What's on your mind? Hey, Kevin. All right. I'll try to make it quick here. Uh, I've called in a few times before, but I just want to give you a little update. Sure. Uh, I've been following you for probably about seven years and been eating mostly carnivore for about that same amount of time. I'm down uh, 70 pounds wow. and I've kept it off, you know, the whole time. I, I still got a few more that I'm working on, but yeah, thanks. And um, I'm off all my medication. I used to be on uh, lisinopril for high blood pressure and Lexapro for anxiety. Wow. Off all of that stuff. That to me, um, honestly, I feel great. I, that to me is bigger than the weight loss. Yeah. That's huge. Me, yeah, me too. It's, yeah, that is huge. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I feel, you know, I'm 53 years old. I, I just, I feel healthier than I have most of my adult life. Isn't it like getting a second um, chance w- at life? Oh, it really is. It really is. Um, I've been on a one-year medical card since I was about 40. And even some of those years, I was worried whether I was even going to get my one-year right. card or not. Right. So, <laughs> um, so in May, I went in. I had another sleep study done, and they took me off the CPAP machine. Outstanding. Um, and just last week, I posted this on Healthy Tribe last week, but just last week I went in and I had my um, my DOT physical, and I told there was a nurse practitioner that was doing it. I told her I was there to reclaim my two-year card. Good. And she asked me, you know, what, you know, what makes me think that's going to happen. And I just told her everything right. that I told you. And we went through the whole physical and everything. And she said, she said, it's absolutely, absolutely amazing. She doesn't usually give people two year cards back after, uh, that's right. you know, when they're my age and after being on a right. one year card for so long, she said, she, she just doesn't see it happen that long, but I got my two year card and that was, uh, wow. uh that was I, that was amazing for me, you know. <laughs> what, what, a, what a great way to end today. Uh, it's been a good show today, and yeah. what a great way to end it. Uh, and, and I love the fact that she told you this doesn't happen. When somebody starts going downhill with their health and they take all of the doctor's advice, they will still continue to go downhill. And she's right. Nobody usually goes from a one-year card to a two-year card. It's always the opposite. And it, as people get yeah. older, it, so I'm sure she was shocked. I, I hope she looks at what you were able to do and, and maybe it sparked something in her too. Yep. She was definitely impressed by it. And Excellent. Uh, it, it was amazing for me to get my two year card after all these years. So I just wanted to, to uh, update you on all that stuff. So thank you very much for everything you do, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks. All right. I'm going to make room for rolling toe. Before I do, I want to clarify our special from yesterday. I think there's a little bit of uh, confusion. Uh, It was the Lona Life special. So when you buy 
two 10-pack, no, three 10-packs, you're getting two 10-packs free, not two sticks. These are 10-packs of sticks. So when you buy three 10-packs, you get two 10-packs free or 20 sticks total. It's a $40 savings. So it's bigger than I think what we made it sound like yesterday. Um, I need to get better at knowing the details of our sales. I'm always focused on something else. But uh, head on over and get your collagen. It's the collagen sticks that are on sale from Lona Life or on the special. So head on over to the store. We do appreciate um, the shopping in the store. It's what lets us do all of this other stuff, um, either free or very low charge. So thank you for the support in the store and keep it up. It really does help. Uh, All right. I need to make room for Rolling Toe. I'm going to get out of here. We will see you in an hour on Spaces. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.